and Savior and King of us all, Jesus Christ, the Son and living God, to be the glory forever. Amen. Now Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered, and she brought forth a son. When her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. So it was on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they would have had called him, they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. And his mother answered and said, No, he shall be called John. But they said to her, There is no one among your relatives who is called by this name. So they made signs to his father what he would have him called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, saying, His name is John. So they all marveled immediately. His mouth was opened and his tongue loosed. And he spoke, praising God. Then fear came on all who dwelt around them. And all these sayings were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, What kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. Now his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit, and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in this house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the end of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins, to the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. For the child grew and became strong in spirit, and was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation to Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the fourth Sunday of Kiyak, and if you remember the readings from before, we had the Annunciation of St. John the Baptist, and then we had the Annunciation of our Lord Jesus Christ, and then we had the Visitation of St. Mary and Elizabeth, and today we have the birth of St. John the Baptist, and of course, on the Feast of the Nativity, we will celebrate uh, the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. So today we see the fulfillment of what the Archangel Gabriel told to Zacharias. And we see here, especially in the beginning of the passage that we read this morning, sort of the situations or the incidences surrounding the naming of St. John. If you think about names in general, how or why do parents choose certain names? Here, like in, in, in modern civilization, we pick names probably, you know, like based on how they sound or what the name reminds us of or whether it's a common name or not. Some people like to have common names. Some people like to have their kids have unique names. Uh, maybe when you're naming your kids, you know, there's a name that you thought was good, and then you went to your spouse and you, you talked about the name, 
and it reminded them of somebody in their life that they didn't like so much, and so they changed it. They said, no way, I can't have this name. And so the, like, this is sort of the way that uh, we, we choose names uh, in modern civilization. Also within the church, maybe sometimes we'll choose names based on a patron saint, someone that we want our child to grow up to emulate or to look up to, something like that. Today in the Gospel of St. Luke, the last part of chapter 1, we'll learn of the events surrounding the naming of St. John the Baptist. In the Middle East, in this time, they're picking names in a much different way, much different criteria than we do. For them, the way a name sounded wasn't that important. It also wasn't that important if the name was popular or not popular. So genuinely, genuinely, they picked names sort of one of two ways. First, they often, they named the firstborn sons and the firstborn daughters after their father or their mother, or maybe their grandfather or their grandmother. Sometimes though, they chose different names for their children, and in these cases, the names were chosen because of what they mean. Okay, so names usually are like words, they have definitions. And so the people in the Middle East, they often looked at the, the meaning of the name of the child as a prediction or as a prophecy for what kind of person that child is going to grow up to be. Look, for example, in the Old Testament, in the book of Hosea, he has uh, several children and he gives them prophetic names. Uh, Isaiah the prophet, he does the same thing. He names his children prophetically and those names are significant. Uh, in Isaiah, for example, chapter 8, he names his son, as you can see, that, that show you that he doesn't, they don't really care how the name sounds. They named, he named his kid Meher Shalal Hashbaz, which means hurry to the spoils. And this was important because that was a prophecy about the impending sort of like the plunder of Samaria and Damascus by the king of Assyria. So it was important for Isaiah to prophesy this, uh, to name his kid as a prophecy of this. The point is that this was the way that parents named their children in biblical times. They either gave them a relative's name or the name had a prophetic or prophetically significant name. And if you remember uh, from the first part of St. Luke, the gospel that we read a few weeks ago, St. Elizabeth was barren and she couldn't have a son and, and Zechariah, or she wanted a, a child and she couldn't have one. And Zechariah, her husband, was a priest and he was chosen to go up into the temple to pray and the archangel Gabriel appeared to him and told him that he's going to have a son. And when he didn't believe, when he doubted, he became mute, unable to talk. But Elizabeth did in fact conceive and now it's nine months later and she's given birth to a son. And so now these are the events surrounding the circumcision of St. John the Baptist. In Jewish tradition, Jewish boys, by the, according to the law, were circumcised on the eighth day. And also it was normal custom that you would name the person, you would name the baby on that day. So the naming of the child was part of the circumcision ceremony. Very similar to sort of like baptism in Christianity like we have today. You know, the Old Testament circumcision is actually a foreshadowing of the New Testament baptism. That's why actually we name children in baptism. Although because we wait 40 days and 80 days, sometimes it's not practical to have a kid with no name for that long. But if you have 80 days, if you had 8 days like in the Old Testament, they would actually not name the kid until, until the circumcision. And so everybody who was involved in the circumcision event uh, for St. John assumed that his name was going to be Zacharias. And Zacharias, you know, is a good name. It means the one whom God remembers. Right? It's a good name to have. But just as they were kind of getting to the part where they were going to name the child, you know, St. Elizabeth drops in and she says, no, that's not going to be his name. He's not going to be named Zacharias. And they thought, well, what's his name going to be? And she said his name is going, uh, going to be John. And she says, why John? You know, the, the people around him are like, why would you name him John? There's no other relatives in your family that have this name. Basically, they're saying you can't name him John. Nobody in your family is named John. To name him John is almost like an insult to the rest of your family. So you can imagine maybe they're arguing about this for a little bit. And St. Elizabeth 
is saying that there's a reason that we want to name John because that's what the angel told Zacharias. And so they decided to ask what Zacharias thought his name should be. And so actually if you look at this and you read the passage carefully, you might think to yourself, why didn't Zacharias say something or do something in the beginning? Okay, we say he's mute, right? He couldn't talk. But why didn't he say anything? Or why, why didn't he actually like communicate in some way sort of that his name was John? And I think part of it might be because Zacharias was not only mute, but he was actually also deaf. And, and you can see that by the, the, the passage when it says that they had to make signs to Zacharias. If Zacharias could hear what was going on, why would they make signs to him? So Zacharias, most likely, couldn't hear either. And the angel told him that he was going to be mute, but didn't say anything about being deaf. But actually, if you read the Greek, in the Greek, uh, in verse 20 in chapter 1, uh, the word that the archangel Gabriel uses can refer to hearing and speaking. Okay, both hearing and speaking. So Zechariah probably was not only mute, but he was also deaf. So if you can imagine the scene, Zechariah standing there, maybe just enjoying the ceremony, and he can't hear and he can't speak. Uh, he knows because he's a priest how the ceremony is going and what's supposed to happen next. And they are looking to him for the name. And all of a sudden, you know, he, he kind of clicks with him. He says, yes, uh, they probably want to give him, name him after me. Um, but he asks for a tablet so that he can signal to write that his name is going to be John. John, by the way, means God has been gracious. God has been gracious. Because Zacharias was made mute when he was doubting God, he now receives back his ability to speak when he believes again in God. The first thing he does then when he receives the ability again to speak is to praise God. He hasn't been able to say anything, not a word for nine months. And now that he can speak, the first words out of his mouth are praise. And he says, Then fear came all around who dwelt them, and all these sayings were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all those who heard them kept their, them in their hearts, saying, What kind of child would this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. You know, I wanted to highlight those verses because, think about it, something amazing is happening. These people who were called barren uh, ended up having a son. And then this person who was... Uh, mute was able to speak and then he, he spoke in this really uh, amazing way praising God and so all the people were talking about it all around most of the time almost all of the time when we gossip it's bad but there are a few instances why well, actually I don't really want to use the word gossip but they are proclaiming the good news right they are saying the gospel this is a good kind of, of, of spreading the word when God does something amazing for us when he does something in my life, when he does something in the church, when he does something for somebody else, and we want to just spread it to other people, we want other people to know. It's, I mean, it's so amazing that I want to call everybody that I know, all my friends, everybody that I can contact and say, wow, look what happened, you know? Did you hear what God did with Zacharias and Elizabeth? Or you'll never believe what happened. You know, we prayed for these people in church and, and they were sick and God gave them healing. Or they were in trouble, their relationships were in trouble, and they were able to mend their relationships by the grace of God. I hope that we can work to be this way in our communities. To have sort of this godly sort of gossip. When good things happen to us, when we see the work of God in our lives, that we're able to speak about those things. Instead of what we tend to do, which is to speak about those things which are bad, those things which are embarrassing, those things that are sort of designed to tear each other down, rather than build each other up. So Zacharias, like I was saying, was his first words out of his mouth was praises from God and prophecies about the future. He's going to prophesy and praise about sort of two things. First, the Messiah. That's sort of verses 68 to 75. And then he has a prophecy or some praise 
about his newborn son, because he will be the prophet who will prepare the way for the Messiah. So we look at both kind of both sections. If you look at the the, the prophecy or the praise uh, for the Messiah, it's a, it's wonderful, wonderful, beautiful words. Zechariah is capturing sort of the beauty and the essence of of God's plan. You know, blessed be the Lord God of Israel. He has visited His people, redeemed His people, raised up a horn of salvation. As a priest, of course, Zechariah understands Old Testament scriptures, and now as a father, he's going to be the, an integral part of God's plan. So he he uses words like redeemed, words like salvation, words like mercy, words like forgiveness. You know, in verse seventy-eight, for example, he says, "Through the tender mercy of our God, which the day spring from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death." to guide our feet into the way of peace. So Zechariah is, is, is proclaiming what the Messiah is going to do, although I don't know that he understands it even completely, because when you look about his prophecy, he's talking mostly about, it seems to be mostly about how the Messiah is going to free them from the oppression of the people who are kind of leading them or ruling them, the Romans. You can tell he's talking a lot about how he's going to free the people. But anyway, this is a, a, a prophecy about the Messiah freeing them more importantly than from bondage of, of, of slavery or bondage of oppression, but actually from the bondage of sin. So then the second part is he talks a little bit about his son. His son is going to prepare the way for the people. He will give them the knowledge of salvation. He will uh, call the people to repentance. You can imagine as a father, there is no greater joy than to see my child to prepare the way for others to come to God. Imagine especially as a priest, how happy he would be that God is saying to, to him that your son is going to be have an integral part of the plan of salvation. He's going to bring people to God. He's going to prepare the way for God. Zechariah here is experiencing the real meaning of, of, of Christmas, the real meaning of Christ, right? His son becomes a joy and a delight to him. And our, many people are happy at his birth. Why? Because he's becoming great in the sight of the Lord. Why? Because he is bringing Christ to them. It's easy for us to forget what is real greatness. You know, our Lord Jesus Christ calls St. John the Baptist the greatest prophet born among women. In this world, we teach ourselves or we are taught that, you know, if our sons are athletic, if they are smart, if our daughters are beautiful, if you can become rich, if you can become powerful, if you can be popular, those are the things that make you or make your children great. Those are the things that I should be proud of as a father or as a mother. Those are the things that are worth praise. But imagine if we teach our children to prepare the way for others to know Christ. What if we teach them that faithfulness to the church, faithfulness to the word of God is the sure foundation is the path to greatness. St. John the Baptist was different. He was set apart for God's use. And his parents knew this. And so did St. John. So instead of seeking his own popularity, he sought always to build a bridge for people to the Messiah. Right, And that's why, that's why Zechariah was praising him. That's why he was singing the song of praise for him. My child will prepare the way of the Lord. And then we can see what is the result of this. So the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation to Israel. So we see this beautiful praise of Zechariah, how he is prophesying about the coming of the Messiah and also how he is proud to see his son being somebody who is going to call people to God. 
May God give us the, the, the strength, the ability, the courage, the discernment in, in raising our children in order to become great. Not great in the eyes of man, but great in the eyes of God. Bringing people, preparing the way for people to the Lord. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.